0: This episode of the Third Sector Podcast is sponsored by Ansvar. Ansvar protects more than 17,000 charities, big and small, across the UK. Their work with key organisations and charity bodies, as well as being owned by a charity themselves, means an unparalleled level of expertise across a wide range of topics, from governance to fundraising. Ask your insurance broker today for a quote for your charity.
1: Hello and welcome to the Third Sector Podcast.
0: I'm Lucinda Rouse. And I'm Emily Burt. Each week we bring you half an hour of discussion and debate about the important goings-on in the charity world. And this week we'll be taking a look behind the scenes at the fundraising platform Just Giving to learn about the trends they've been tracking in donor behaviour and events fundraising, and how charities can best respond to them. And later on in Charity Changed My Life, we'll be hearing from a service user of Be Lifted, a grassroots organisation for women and girls in North London. Crowdfunding platforms catapulted the innate human desire to give into the digital landscape, enabling people around the world to raise hundreds of millions of pounds each year for a vast range of causes. It's now a thriving space in the fundraising sector. The company Just Giving is the oldest
1: and biggest player in the online fundraising market. It's been going since 2000, when it was founded to provide online tools and processing services for charitable donations. It's since been acquired in 2017 by the American software company Blackboard and has experimented with its fee structure. And in the next 20 minutes, we'd like to find out how charities can get the most out of online fundraising platforms such as JustGiving in the current fundraising climates. And we have two guests with us in the studio. First up is Susie Eddington, a fundraising consultant at Just Giving. Hi, Susie. Hiya. Also with us is Ellie Putt, Senior Participant Experience Manager at Alzheimer's Society. Hi, Ellie. Hi there. And just to get us started, Susie, could you give us the top line on trends that you've been seeing at Just Giving around fundraising, quantity? frequency since covid and now that we're in the cost of living crisis
2: yeah no of course absolutely so in 2023 we had a record-breaking year on the platform it was an incredible year for generosity despite the cost of living crisis really starting to kick in Uh, we had more than 550 million donated through the platform for 20,000 charities so overall it's been a really positive comeback since covid but obviously the trends about what's happening on the platform has changed quite considerably for example over the covid period we saw an increase in uh, lots of people doing sort of DYOT fundraising, so do your own thing, um, mixing it up, coming up with their own ideas of how they're going to fundraise. We've seen that drop off as we came out of the pandemic. But interestingly, that is actually on the rise again as well. So we've seen a 36% increase between 2022 and 2023, with more people doing their own fundraising. And we've also seen running is back to its pre-pandemic levels. It's fantastic to see because so many charities are really reliant on that to meet their bottom line to make sure that running is performing. So running is back up there. And the only area actually where we're seeing a slight decline is cycling is the, the area that's having a bit of a challenge. But generally, the trends on fundraising have changed a little bit. So we've seen more people donating. So um, two and a half million more people donated on the platform last year than the year before. But the average donation value has dropped off just a little bit, a couple of pounds less per donation on average, but actually page values are holding steady because we're seeing more donations per page. So, that sort of indicates that people are maybe having to work a little bit harder to get to the same level of fundraising. So it's definitely a slight shift with that. Slightly lower value donations coming through, but the volume is picking up from that. So people are obviously really passionate about their causes and wanting to keep fundraising, but are probably going to have to share their page more often tell their story a bit stronger and work harder with their fundraising.
0: And I imagine you must be able to access a really huge amount of data through the platform with the information that people give in. That point about more donations, but donations of lesser value is really interesting. I wonder, are you able to gather any sort of data on like the geographical spread of donations around the country? Are you seeing any obviously like high revenue areas, low revenue areas? And how could you use information like that on your platform?
2: Yeah, we do. We predominantly, and this is a trend across the, the years, we do see higher donation values down in the south. So I think last year, Norwich. Bristol and Reading uh, were the most donated cities, cities that donated the most in 2023. As someone who's just recently moved to Bristol, it's nice to see the <laughs> up there is it, in the generosity levels. But it does tend to be predominantly more in the south and that may be more because obviously London Marathon is a, is a huge event hmm. on the platform and drives the biggest donation value in terms of page value. So that probably is skewing it slightly. But I, I think we can't forget the north. I think as a, a Midlander myself as well, I think there's some great opportunities up there, but I just think that what we see generally across the Donations is that the South has slightly more availability to give potentially.
3: That mirrors what we see, I think, especially with third party events. We have more income and supporters in the southeast of England, unsurprising, really, due to their as Susie was saying, being more third-party events in that region. However, we have a couple of bespoke walking and trekking series, uh, so-called Memory Walk and Trek 26. These have a lot more of a spread across the UK, given their different locations across the UK. Something that I would really recommend charities using, if they don't already, is plotting out fundraising maps, they're a really useful tool to get that granular information on income and value for different fundraising streams. But it's been really helpful for us in planning future fundraising activity as well. So we can monitor the distance our supporters are willing to travel for different types of events. Mm. Very interesting. And just sort of bigger picture perspective, are you
1: seeing the same trends in terms of more donations, but of a lower value that Susie Painted that picture for us.
3: yes it 's something that 's been mirrored at alzheimer 's society more specifically we 've had a really positive year for events actually we ended two thousand twenty three with our just giving income twenty percent up on the previous year, which is fantastic however we 've also seen the average individual donations have dropped in value across all of our products. But it is so heartening to see that those people are donating more and sponsoring their loved ones, resulting in that overall participant value increasing in 2023.
0: And how as a charity are you sort of responding to those trends, effectively as a sort of a steward of these individual fundraisers who are going out and using platforms like this to raise money for your cause? How involved do you get in trying to support them and to sort of make sure that you are getting the absolute most out of that? you know, human desire to give.
3: There's many ways I think that we can kind of make the most and capitalise on people's generosity and, and willing to donate to their friends and family. I think a kind of top line advice is for the participant themselves, really ensuring that we're giving them the information that they want to need at the right time, so that they can share that across their platforms with their loved ones. So, something that we've really tried to do to mitigate the impact of the cost of living crisis is focus on improving payer rates, but also average value of our fundraising pages. So, really providing that engaging, relevant, and regular stewardship. As we were saying before, that really helps participants to promote their Just Giving pages and fundraise effectively. I suppose some top line areas that I would focus on is ensuring that we're communicating with our fundraisers using multi-channel disciplines. So be it email, SMS, calling or print, just to make sure that we're communicating with them in a variety of ways and being mindful of what channels work for different types of information we're trying to get out. Something to pull out in particular would be to say that, for instance, welcome calls that we carry out within Alzheimer's Society are most effective at getting participants to create and activate their fundraising page. But our countdown to calls, which happen closer to the event, result in higher gifts and a higher percentage of payers paying in their donations. So it's just really important to make it as personalised to them as possible. And coming from a big charity, something that is really important to do is make people feel like they're appreciated and that, that they are getting content tailored to them. So making use of variable content within emails based on their fundraising behavior. Have they set up a page already? Have they started getting donations on that page? And if not, amending what we say to them at a different point in their journey.
0: That is so interesting to me because I remember when I started doing bits of writing around crowdfunding platforms years ago now, the whole vibe of them was that it was a very organic grassroots space where it was really just about the individuals who were telling their own stories and setting up these these pages. But what you've clearly just illustrated there is that in fact, charities can get very much involved with that and make sure that they're also giving support to those individual fundraisers. And that actually doing that sort of supportive of curative work can then really help to not only sort of boost the value of the fundraisers themselves, but can start to really invest in that longer term relationship with those individuals who might have come to that platform organically. So that's absolutely fascinating. It's a Build on that, actually, we recently surveyed
2: about 6,000 DYOT fundraisers, so do-your-own-thing fundraisers, and 99% of them came back and said they would fundraise for the same charity again. So we do sit on this huge data pool, and it's so interesting when we start to be able to have those conversations with the fundraisers as well. And I think that especially now we know acquiring – New supporters is, is expensive, it's challenging, cost per acquisitions are going up, but you're getting these people through your your fundraising platforms that are coming to you actively to the charity. What are they going to do next? 99% of them said they would like to fundraise for the charity again. I'm gonna bet that 99% of them don't, because they haven't been given the right opportunity to do that with the organization.
0: So potentially a vast resource that you can tap into there.
2: Huge, huge, it's a massive potential that um charities definitely need to be making the most of at the moment, thinking about what's next. And I think that um me and Ellie come from an events background and we know know that within events fundraising, you build up such a really strong relationship with those supporters. Um, you have those phone calls, they may be through an agency or they might be in person. We've, we've done a bit of both over the years. And you they, you send them emails, you meet them on the day, you've built a, a whole personal relationship with that supporter. So that's the best thing to springboard off of and take them on to the next step, whether that's regular giving, in memory, you know, tribute funds and things like this, all of that sort of things comes from that really strong relationship that you've built up with your supporter.
3: Just to bring that to life a little bit. So at Alzheimer's Society, we used to focus very much on that in-year income. What is an event bringing in? How much are we raising? And as Susie was saying, there's the benefit not only to encourage our fundraisers to take on another event, but also think about cross-sell opportunities across the fundraising directorate and across fundraising products we've actually been testing trying to convert our memory walkers and trek 26 audiences in recent months and we've been really pleased to see a 10 percent conversion rate through telemarketing moving them into individual giving products so really thinking about that cross-sell and the lifetime value of participants is something I'd massively recommend other charities looking into.
2: It's really interesting because the other area that we are seeing some growth on the platform is in regular giving. So you can make a regular gift to a fundraising page or to a campaign or direct to a charity on, on just giving. And where we're seeing donation values drop off a little bit on um, donations to pages, regular giving is holding steady and is actually increasing a little bit. And we're seeing the volume of people choosing to do that is also increasing. So I think it's also thinking about how people want to give now. They might not be able to give £50 up front now for you running the London Marathon next year, but they might be able to give £10 every month. Mm. And really tailoring that stewardship again to let people know how they can communicate, how they can fundraise through their page.
0: And those long term relationships really
1: are a holy grail, aren't they? I mean, that's what everyone's after. Yes, exactly. (laughs) So it sounds like brand awareness is really, really important to all of this in terms of establishing and then nurturing that relationship between donors and the charities. But has that changed a lot on the platform over the years? Because I can imagine that friends, incidental donors donating to their friends fundraising pages, they might not be that concerned about who the charity actually is.
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely something to think about is whether or not you can convert those donors as well as the fundraisers into future fundraisers for you. I think Brand and charity are so important because I think when you stop and think about it, all of us have been affected by so many different causes and we're just looking for that opportunity to give. And I think that's what you're enabling is people have those opportunities. I'm a fundraiser, I've been a fundraiser for like 15 years now. The charities I give regular gifts to are because people knocked on my door or stopped me in the street and asked me to give a donation to them. If you're not asking, they're not going to give. So I think that um, you need to get your charity brand out there, be talking about your cause and why it has an impact on those people very strongly.
1: And then looking to new trends and areas obviously artificial intelligence is something that's on the tip of most people's tongues how is just giving making use of that
2: Yeah absolutely it's a buzzword at the moment isn't it everyone's got to be doing something in AI at the moment and yeah just giving is no different from everybody else but we've really thought about what it is that we can use that for that's going to deliver impact on the platform So the AI tool that we have brought in is Generative AI, which supports people with being able to write their story on their page. Um, And we know that people that do write a story on their page raise 65% more for their charity. So you can preset what's on there from the charity. But obviously, my personal reason for fundraising is the bit that's going to motivate the people to donate to me. So it's really important that people do that. But we also know it's quite a challenging thing. If you've got a really personal reason for that, you may not feel enabled to or or, um, you've got the vocabulary to be able to write that on your page. So we've got a generative AI tool which supports people with doing that now. And you can choose the tone that you want the story to be in, you can, you know, start it off, and then it will start to generate that story out for you. And what we've seen is an 18% uplift in pages being created when they use the tool, it's, it's optional, they don't have to use it, but it, more people are going through and finishing their page and getting it set up, because they've got this little helping hand that's helping them across that that hurdle, which is there to try and tell your personal story. So um, yeah, it's already having an impact, it was rolled out at the end of last year, and it's already having an impact on pages for charities. So I'm really excited to see what other organisations are going to start doing with this as well I think it's a really interesting area at the moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Ellie anything that you're using those sort of generative tools for Alzheimer's society is it something you're interested
3: in sort of dipping your feet in the water off? Yeah we're probably a little bit behind the times compared to some places but I would say Something that we've definitely trialled more of recently is sharing that QR code opportunity so that people can link really easily to their Just Giving page. We also make use of QR codes at events in person, whether that's helping people with their registrations or making use of contactless machines to increase income through donations and merchandise on the day. So
0: it's kind of really just about removing barriers to that sort of admin process of getting everything set up and getting everything started.
2: And I think it comes back to that enabling people to give however they want to give, when they want to give. We've got targets. We're trying to get people to do what we want them to do at at the right time. But actually people might want to you know, make that regular gift to a page, they might want to go through a QR code, they might want to give that contactless giving and things like that. So I think it's really right now, we need to be enabling fundraising anywhere and everywhere, really, rather than being limited on options that we're putting in front of people.
3: And, you know, for years we've been encouraging people to share their page regularly, but actually, as you were saying, making it as easy as possible is crucial to that. It may sound like a small change, but ensuring as a charity that you're providing deep links within email stewardship to make it as easy as possible for someone to click on a link and share their page via WhatsApp, via Facebook, Mm. just really removes those barriers and obstacles to people and as Susie was talking about, optimising their fundraising page can have real value and benefit to them raising more money once they get their supporters through. Something that we found at Alzheimer's Society is linking to running or training providers like Strava really does up that engagement, people want to come back and see how their loved one is doing throughout the weeks and months leading up to their event and actually becomes a bit more of an incentive to keep supporting them, like you say, potentially trialling out that regular giving element of donating as opposed to a one-off lump sum.
0: And it's a gamification element of the fundraising itself. So, you know, I think it's the London Marathon this year is really going to be expanding its run-your-own-sort-of-way basically function which they sort of started during the pandemic because of course people couldn't come together to run in London but I think now they're going to be setting up something so you can just basically run the marathon wherever you like which of course makes it a lot more accessible and a lot easier to do and that gamification element with sort of being able to check in on Strava check in on the app I think probably then makes donors and other supporters feel like they're really involved in the moment as well it's also about content generation so as Ellie said,
2: sharing your page is really important. That's what gets the message out there. But I'm running the London Marathon. I'm out there training all the time. And all I've got in my head is, is I'm doing London Marathon. I post that on my page once. And I think I've told people what I'm doing. And then I don't want to pastor after that because I'm like, I go I'm banging on about this all of the time. But actually, you know, me as the, the scroller that's going through my feed, I spent less than a second noticing that you posted yeah. something about your run. So actually what supporters need to be doing is creating content that they're dropping in all of the time. I was talking to a PR colleague about this the other day about how it's it's almost like they have to build up their own PR story and they don't always have to share their page. They don't always have to bang on about the training and things like this. If you can just go, I I went out for a run this morning, here's a photo of it. You don't have to say and sponsor me at the end of it. You've just, kept people engaged with what you're doing and they will remember and then make that donation on race day and things like that so the things like Strava integrations where you can pull through your run onto your page you're generating content you're giving excuses to share your page and just keep people on your story so that they will remember to give people are going to have to see your feed about 10 times before they're going to want to actually click the button and sponsor you so you've got to be talking about it a lot and that's what I think is really important that charities need to be talking to their supporters about that and really enabling them to do that because Mm. you can have that conversation with those calls that you do with those checking calls that Ellie talked about, and really encourage them and explain that to them because for them, they probably think that's all they're talking about. <laughs>
3: and I suppose just building on that, like you say, it's the different avenues that fundraisers can share their Just Giving or fundraising pages. So I know that Just Giving have some data on WhatsApp becoming a, a very strong avenue for sharing pages, and actually, that's a kind of demonstration of how we need to make sure we're moving with the times, not just always relying on Facebook. Facebook still has a wide pool of people, you can potentially reach hundreds of old friends and family by telling them you're taking part in an event. But WhatsApp is more likely to be shared with closer friends and families. They're potentially more invested in you. And that's something that we found for the memory walk season last year. So whilst WhatsApp and Facebook had the same number of donations coming through, the average value that we saw for WhatsApp shares brought in an extra 40k Hmm. for the memory walk season in 2023. That's a lot of money, 40k through WhatsApp. That's brilliant,
2: isn't it? No, absolutely. As Ellie said, we see that Facebook is the place where most people share their page. I think it's about 40%. People share their page on Facebook, but actually, WhatsApp is one of the bigger drivers of donations. So every page share is worth £58, but a page share on WhatsApp is worth £570 because. I'm hitting up my closest audience. People that really care about me, they're most likely to donate. So you might get 10 donations off of one WhatsApp message of those £58 values. And that's what's really driving the higher value donations that come through SMS, Messenger and WhatsApp and the channels that drive our higher donation values. So definitely something that charities should be telling their supporters that that's where they want to be talking about their page as well as the Facebook, Instagram, etc.
1: Really interesting. Do you have any idea if it's individual WhatsApp messages from one person to another or is it WhatsApp messages in a group or is it people sharing on their WhatsApp status? Which yeah, one has I the don't most? know to
4: be
2: honest. We we don't have that level of data, but my gut feeling is probably group chats. There's a lot of
0: group chats on WhatsApp, isn't there? That's what mine's dominated by. I don't know, oh you my, had any conversations. I don't know how many group chats I'm in. I, know. I mean, you know, I'm in, I'm in at least one group chat that has about 250 people in it. Oh, wow. So, I mean, you know, one share to that is uh, potentially again, if, a massive know, audience. Five percent of those make a donation. Yes, yeah, there you that's go. Great, in. It.
1: Well, there's been a smattering of great tips throughout this conversation, but I'd like to ask both of you, If you had one key piece of advice that you could give to charities about how they can best make use of these online fundraising platforms, what would it be?
2: It's empowering your fundraisers really is what it comes down to and making sure that they're aware of all of the different channels that they can share their page on and generate donations through. So I think that regular giving, sharing on WhatsApp, And the quantity that they need to share their page. I think uh, we had some stats from London Marathon a couple of years ago that the highest value pages were shared over 50 times. So that's a lot of times you've got to be sharing your page. So I think really it's enabling people to give in the way that they want to, however that channel is.
3: I think for me, it's um, really just talking to people at the right time and with the right information. And as we said earlier, just making that as easy as possible, making their fundraising journey as seamless as it can be. We know from just giving that the sooner a participant gets that first donation on their page, i.e., activates it, the higher their average value is going to be by the end of their fundraising. So, my advice to charities is really focus on what communications you're sending to supporters during that onboarding stage the first two to three weeks after they've signed up, really ensuring that you're providing them not only with the tools to start fundraising, but also the motivation. Something that's really important is providing that impactful information on your charity, where their money goes, what they're helping you guys to achieve. And I think without that, you may miss out on getting those top donations that you'd like them to see
2: yeah we see that the first seven days are the most important if you don't start fundraising in those first seven days the the drop-off rate is very high after that so making sure you're going through your data which i know for some charities you know they might have smaller charities might have to do that manually but make sure that you are going through your data regularly and having those conversations early absolutely is really
3: critical and it's something that we've spoken about to our participants and fundraisers for years but actually the option to self-donate so to make a donation on your own page Is still very popular. We saw that in 2023, 19% of our memory walkers still do this. And actually, that's a really good method to encourage if you're noticing a lapse between page creation and that first donation being made. And those fundraisers often end up having a higher value than those that don't start with self donations as well.
1: And thinking about big versus small charities, is there any difference in how a charity of a very small size should be approaching their online fundraising? Or is it really the same techniques across the board? I think there's
2: actually quite a lot that the big charities can learn from the smaller charities. I started out in a smaller charity and then uh, worked my way up into the bigger ones. And actually with those small charities, you can build up really strong relationships. You can have really strong communication with those supporters. So actually, I think the smaller charities, if they can get their data in line, which is probably more of the challenge for them, if they can get the data and access it and start having those conversations and building up a relationship, they've got such a huge potential to be telling the story of what the charity is achieving and what the fundraiser is supporting them to do. Whereas actually the challenge that the bigger charities have, they have too many people and they can't communicate as effectively with all of them. And so you have to have the automations that Ellie was talking about and they pulling in various data points into your emails and things like that, doing your segmentation. So almost smaller charities have a great opportunity to, to build really personal relationships, which I think is their superpower.
3: i agree. And I think it's something that we can definitely learn from charities across the sector and the benefit of talking to other charities and, and contacts who work in similar fields. Something that we try and do, and I suppose something that we're lucky to be able to do as a bigger charity is... Testing and investing in different stewardship channels. Something I suppose it's worth mentioning is our investment in Just Giving microsites in the past year. So, for those that don't know what a microsite is, it's something that we introduced by working with Just Giving to create a custom build branded website hub that has everything that participants need in one place be it fundraising training on the day information we found that not only did this reduce the number of incoming inquiries that required responses people potentially missing crucial information but it also really helped to have that live donation feed so within a microsite you have a leaderboard where people can see what the top donations are coming in and actually seeing participants page totals is a really great way to encourage them to keep fundraising and people's competitive nature really came out they wanted to get higher up that leaderboard so actually these positive results not only engagement but also positive supporter feedback and an improved percentage of participants with fundraising pages means that we're introducing the microsite for a couple of other of our events in 2024 and continuing it for Trek 26 in 2024.
2: That's great to hear that's having a good impact for you guys. That's lovely. I think we, we have got the branded microsites and that comes down to that brand stuff that we were talking about before, about getting your charity out there and making sure that people know who they're supporting and how they're supporting them. But there's free tools also on the platform. So campaign pages is something I think that um, smaller charities should definitely be... And actually some of the bigger charities don't use it so much. And you can create a landing page essentially on JustGiving. You've got the totalizer so that people can see how much has been raised collectively. You've got a little mini leaderboard that's happening on there. And you can put a story in the campaign page. And you can update that at any time. So you might want to change it to more of a thank you message after the event. You can put video content in the banner image and things like this. So there's lots of things that you can be doing on the platform for free, which will be engaging those people. And hopefully the idea is giving them a place to go back to, to see collectively, how are we all doing? How's this all going together? Because fundraising can be quite a lonely experience sometimes. So it's nice to feel part of that community.
0: Fantastic. Well, so much food for thought there. Ellie, Susie, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for coming in. Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks very much.
1: Now we move on to Charity Changed My Life, in which we bring you the stories of people whose lives have been transformed for the better, thanks to the work of charities. And this week, we hear from a service user of Be Lifted, a grassroots organisation in North London for women and girls, many of whom have suffered domestic or sexual abuse. Be Lifted organizes fitness classes, empowerment groups, practical advice services, and children's book clubs.
4: Hello, my name is Yasmin, and I would like to talk uh, about Be Lifted. The coach, Jenny, organized the fitness lessons. It was such a joy to go there, to meet the other moms, the children meet together, they had their own coach. They had new friends. They learned a lot, a lot, a lot. They really enjoyed it. And for the moms, it was actually a moment of joy, friendship and mental quietness. It was really important each week to have this moment for us as moms, to learn something for us, to think about our future, what we are going to do with all the skills that we are learning. We had a lot of other visitors. Uh, and workshops, sometimes it was the dentist, sometimes someone who talked about welfare, art, employment, uh, mental health. It was great hours for the moms because they can learn not only about our health and improving our health in general, but also about our confidence, self-confidence. And I think the best example is myself from looking and seeing everything with no hope darkness. I went from this stage to just hope. Light everywhere. I can do it. I opened my eyes to the world. Before it was just narrow, everything narrow. So it really makes such change. They helped me to do my CV i my covering letters. They encouraged me to look for a job, to show my CV to different employers. And it actually (laughs) worked. I couldn't believe it myself because my self-confidence wasn't to the best. I show my CV uh, to my employer now. They accept me and I am now employed. I'm a happy woman now. Thank you so much, Ginny. Thank you so much, Belifted, and everyone. Thank you so much, bye-bye.
0: That was the story of Yasmin and how her involvement with Be Lifted changed her life for the better. And if you would like your organisation to be featured in Charity Change My Life, we would love to hear from you. All it takes is a short voice message from someone who has benefited from your services. And you can find details of how to get in touch in the show notes to this episode.
1: And that's it for this week. Next week, I'll be back with Andy to hear from GOSH Charities Fundraising Director Liz Tate, about their most ambitious fundraising appeal to date. But for now, thanks to our guests Susie and Ellie and our producer Nav Pal.